0: Worship of the saints was a central belief of the medieval church, but not all saints had equal importance. The appeal of some was universal, and they were revered right across Christendom. Usually established very early on, they were often figures from the Bible, such as St. John the Baptist or St. Paul, who were martyred during Roman rule. But at the opposite end of the scale, there were also the little-known saints connected to local cults. Let's travel back in time and take a look at some saint worshippers who were at odds with one another, the martyred and murdered children, and the strange relics that were all part of the medieval cult of saints. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Saint was. Henry of Lagenstein was a 14th century philosopher and theologian. He tried to explain a community's intense adoration of a particular saint when he was writing a sermon. He explained that, quote, "'The saints of God are entrusted "'with the spiritual care of power over peoples, "'regions, and cities, where they happily lived "'and were buried, and where they left relics, "'where through the consecration of churches in their honor, "'they have been received as patrons.'" So when any race, city, and country is placed under the rule of these leaders, every race venerates its saintly men and women as its own gods and goddesses with enhanced solemnity, prays for them with great devotion and fears their anger and resentment more. Strangely, Saint cults not only brought communities together, but they could also cause conflict akin to modern-day football teams. Saint Albert. This was one of the most important cults in Central Europe during the Middle Ages. A monk in Rome and a bishop in Prague, Aldebert, died as a martyr in Prussia amongst the pagans. He lived in the second half of the 10th century and led such an adventurous and well-traveled life that his cult was widespread. Preaching his Christian message in the port of Trousseau, Aldebert was set upon by a pagan mob, killed and then decapitated. His head was mounted and displayed on a pole for all to see. It was Bolslaw the Brave, Duke of Poland, that bought Aldebar's body for its weight in gold and returned it to Poland after that final Christian mission to Prussia had gone so badly wrong. Alderbert was buried at Niezno, and his cult began. However, Otto III Holy Roman Emperor had known Alderbert personally, so in the year 1000, accompanied by Pope Sylvester II, not only went to pay his respect to Alderbert's relics, but also wanted to take some of them away with him. Boleslaw was, of course, rewarded with titles and gifts in exchange for Aldebert's right arm. Then the Bohemians laid their claim to St. Aldebert's cult. In 1039, Duke Bretislav of Bohemia had pilfered Aldebert's bones and taken the relics to Prague to join St. Vitus and St. Wenceslas there. And a biography had appeared that mentioned Aldebert's missionary work in Hungary. So King Stephen I also staked his claim on Aldebert's patronage. Meanwhile, the Polish cult still continued. It was said that Bratislav had stolen the wrong bones because Aldeburts were hidden somewhere in the Esno. Then in 1127, St. Alderbert's decapitated head, which had not been purchased by Boleslaw during the original body-buying deal, was found and returned to Poland. All this vying of ownership of Alderbert's relics inspired the rise of a rival Polish cult. This man was another martyred bishop, but one killed by a tyrant rather than pagans, St. Stanislau. It was 250 years after the canonization of Aldebar that Stanislaw was recognized as a saint. Stanislaw was said to have raised a man from the dead. When he was killed by King Boleslaw II in 1079, his body was cut into pieces, but miraculously regenerated. An event that came to symbolize the unification of Poland. Eventually, Stanislaw won the war of the two bishop saints becoming the more dominant, although both men are recognized as Polish patron saints today. Little-known cults. There were three women who were particularly important to the people of Peterborough in England and the surrounding Fenlands during the Middle Ages. Kinberger, Kinswide, and Tibba were venerated there in their home region because of their connection to Peterborough Abbey, but were probably unknown outside of this area. All three women were members of the royal Mercian family. Kinberga and Kinswitha, being King Penda of Mercia's daughters, were princesses, and Tibba is thought to have been his niece. Penda followed the path of Anglo-Saxon paganism. At that time, England was divided up into several kingdoms. Around the year 653, the Kingdom of Northumbria was ruled by a Christian king who made peace with Mercia. Marriages were arranged linking the children of each of the two kings. Keenburga and King Keenwither converted to Christianity. And it was agreed that a monastery or abbey should be built and dedicated to Saint Peter, Paul and Andrew. A monastery which housed both monks and nuns was built at the village of Castor in what was once the Soak of Peterborough. Kienberger became the first abbess there and was later joined by her sister Kienzuitha, who also became abbess and was succeeded by Tibba. The three became esteemed as saints and evidence of their worship can be seen in calendars and liturgical writings containing instructions on how to celebrate their feast days. Although the relics of the three women were lost during the Reformation, a chapel dedicated to all three 7th century saints can still be visited at Peterborough Cathedral. Outside of the area of Peterborough, there is very little evidence of any interest in the three women. Child Saints Another example of a purely local cult were the followers of the child Saint Solange. During the Middle Ages, dead children were recognized by the Catholic Church as holy martyrs. The Massacre of the Innocents, as retold in the Gospel of Matthew, described how King Harold of Judea ordered the slaughter of all male children aged two years and under in the land. This was to make sure that the baby Jesus was eradicated. From this story, the cult of the Holy Innocents began to spread all over Europe, and although there was no historical evidence that the massacre ever actually happened, relics from the infant victims began to appear. In 1465, Canterbury Cathedral boasted the lips of one of the Holy Innocents amongst their collection of relics. Going into the later Middle Ages, this led to veneration of other young saints such as Solange. She was a shepherdess who lived and died in the 9th century and is venerated as a Catholic saint and a kephalophore. This word originates from the Greek for head carrier and describes a saint who is usually seen holding their own severed head. This was meant to show that they had been martyred by decapitation. In western art, this caused a dilemma for the artist when deciding where to put the halo. Should it be where the head used to be, or should it be above the head that the saint was carrying? Above the left foot? The right elbow? Personally, I think it sits nicely by the left funny bone. Many legends describe a saint standing up, picking up their own head, and carrying it after they had been beheaded. Solange Solange was born into poverty in the town of ne Bourges, the capital of Cher province in France. The daughter of devout Christians, Solange had her virginity consecrated at age seven during a liturgical rite carried out by a bishop. This meant that she would spend her life as a bride of Christ and a virgin, and later join a nunnery or serve the church in some other way. It was said that Solange's mere presence would cause the sick to be cured and devils to be exorcised. The Count of the City of Poitiers had a son who became obsessed with Solange's beauty and popularity. He went to speak with her while she was tending the sheep, but she rebuffed him and an argument broke out. Unable to accept Solange's rejection, he decided to abduct her. He went and took her out one night by force. As they were crossing over a stream, Solange struggled to free herself and fell from the horse. Her kidnapper became so incensed that he beheaded her with his sword. Miraculously, apparently, her severed head prayed to the holy name of Jesus three times. Then she stood up, picked up her own head, and carrying it, she walked to the Church of St. Martin before she finally lay down and died there. A local cult surrounding Solange immediately sprang up. Miraculous cures began to be recognized as being due to her intervention. In 1281, the Church of St. Martin erected an altar in her honor and began to refer to itself as the Church of St. Solange. The nearby field where she had prayed became the field of Saint Solange, even the village changed its name in veneration of his patron, and is the only commune in France to use her name, and her cult is restricted to that area. In times of great trauma and worry, the locals would form a great procession through the streets of Bourges, with the casket carrying Solange's head in front of them, in an appeal that she would protect them from drought. She is recognised as the patron saint of shepherds and rape victims. Saint Serafina Another child saint that had a particularly strong cult following in her hometown was Fina de Chardi, Born in San Gimignano, Tuscany, Italy, Fina was sadly afflicted with a paralytic illness when she was just about 10 years old. In 1248, the disease took hold, leaving her seriously ill and paralysed. During that time, both her father and her mother died. Despite her physical and mental suffering, Fina never complained about her anguish. In fact, it only strengthened her faith. She insisted on sleeping on a wooden pallet rather than a bed. She was visited frequently by the people of San Gimignano who were encouraged by her devotion to God. Fina was drawn to Saint Gregory the Great and experienced a vision of him foretelling her own death. As predicted by Gregory, Fina died on March 12th, 1253 after five years of pain and illness. She was just 15. After Fina's death, her cult began at once, when all of the bells of San Gimignano were said to have rung out on their own, and her corpse released the odour of sanctity. This term began in the Middle Ages, and is recognised by the Catholic Church as a particular scent that emanates from the dead body of a saint, and is often described as being floral. White violets were also said to have bloomed on the wooden pallets of her bed once Fina's body was removed. Several miracles and visitations were reported after her death including healing of the sick, and although she was never officially canonised, Fina is still venerated in San Giminano and the anniversary of her death is a recognised holiday and has been the tradition since 1481. Solange and Fina are just two of several venerated child saints who were worshipped in isolated areas by the medievals. The list also includes the infant named Rumwald of Buckingham who only lived for 3 days, but was able to speak and profess his faith in God, request his own baptism, and even give a sermon before his premature demise. Saints were thought to be the perfect followers of Jesus and have existed since the gospels were written, but it wasn't until the middle ages with its relics and pilgrimages that saint cults really reached their golden age. Then the faithful believed that the heavenly saints could intercede here on earth and help with everything from a toothache to the prevention of a war. Thank you for watching this episode. Please subscribe if you enjoy these videos and I'll see you next week for another one. Cheers.